Greetings, friend, and welcome to the Between the Covers podcast, where we are learning every single day what it takes to become the heroes of our own story. Today, I wanted to share a very important topic. This is something that is very near and dear to me, something I talk with a lot of my clients about, and that is self-care. One of the things that I have discovered is a lot of us aren't really all that great at taking care of ourselves, and we're so much better at taking care of others. We tend to focus a lot on taking care of others, and for lack of a better term, we tend to become martyrs when we consider ourselves. And I think one of the big things about this is that we look at self-care as being selfish because I'm just focusing on myself. It's all about me. One of the problems that I have observed through all of this is that if we are not taking care of ourselves proactively with self-care, then we're very good at taking care of ourselves reactively with selfishness. For this topic, I want to do one of my favorite things here, and that is a little bit of a word study. We're going to take a look at the definitions of self-care and selfish and differentiate how different these actually are from each other. So this is according to Oxford, that self-care is described as, or defined as, I should say, The practice of taking action to preserve or improve one's own health. That doesn't really sound very bad when you really think about it. There is another definition that self-care is the practice of taking an active role in protecting one's own well-being and happiness, in particular during periods of stress. And boy, is this a very common thing that I have found that a lot of us, myself included, I will still get into this habit of when I am in an area of immense stress compared to what I'm used to dealing with, I feel like I just need to power through. I just need to get through the day. I need to survive, for lack of a better term. When this happens, we're not taking care of ourselves. And so knowing what self-care is, is that we are taking action to preserve or improve our own health. Let's take a look at what selfishness is. And still going with Oxford here, that selfish is is defined as of a person, action, or motive lacking consideration for others, concerned chiefly with one's own personal profit or pleasure. Now, that does not sound like self-care, because when I look at these definitions, the thing that really stands out to me as being a difference between self-care and selfishness is selfishness is lacking consideration for others. When we are taking care of ourselves through self-care, what we are in fact doing is investing in ourselves so that we can 
better give to others later on. It is not it is not engaging in an activity purely to only consider ourselves. It is to make sure that we have the energy and we have the capacity to be able to invest in others when they need it. And one of the things that is a problem in this, and again, I've been through this too, and I would bet dollars to donuts that you've gone through something very similar, is we're not always the best at saying no. People ask us of something and we immediately want to say yes. Yes, I can do that. Yes, I can help with that. Yes, I can take on this project. What we're inadvertently doing in those situations is we are spreading ourselves so thin that we get to a point where we can't give anymore. We are so burnt out. There is nothing more for us to give. And I have discovered our bodies don't like that. The way that I have often described it is using a bucket. Pretend with me that you have a bucket inside of you. And this bucket, if, like, say at the start of a good day, you have this bucket and it is full. As you're going throughout the day, you're going to work. There's traffic. There are family obligations. Maybe there are friends that are wanting to hang out or friends that are needing help. There are all of these things that are demanding your attention, demanding your energies. And every single time you're engaging with one of these activities, that experience is taking from your bucket. For most of us, self-care, if it's not existent, means that we have nothing that is filling up that bucket inside of us. And once that gets to be too low, when it starts to run on empty, we run into a problem where our bodies start to tell us, I can't do this anymore. I cannot keep up with this pace. And maybe we end up just sleeping for hours on end. Maybe we go spend money that we don't have in order to make ourselves feel better. You might figure out where I'm going with this. Maybe we are instead eating food and just snacking. Maybe we're just scrolling through Netflix in order to find the next thing to watch. But when we start watching something, we're not actually paying attention. If you ever experience a moment when you, say, are sitting there watching a show or a movie for an hour and you can't tell anyone what happened over that hour in whatever the show was, that's a problem. For me, I had a lot of things I turned to. But I've 
not been shy about sharing this in some earlier episodes. I first turned to food. That was something I learned from my family is when you're stressed, when you have these uncomfortable feelings, you just turn to food. And then eventually it was video games. And then it became pornography. And what was happening in these maladaptive coping mechanisms? I mean, when we're talking about when we're being selfish, it's often turning to our maladaptive coping mechanisms. These are not helpful. These are not helpful, typically not helpful. And they are only serving one purpose, to take care of me, to take care of you. That's all that they're there for. Even if you have other people who are engaging in the behavior, like I'll just use the example of sex. Say that one of the coping mechanisms is you make yourself feel better by just having sex with your partner, your spouse. Maybe you're going through a hookup app or something like that. You're typically doing that if you're in this deprived state where you don't have anything more that you can give, then it's only serving you, even if there is someone else who is present. So it's not helpful. And it is engaging in these coping mechanisms without the consideration of others. And that's the key distinction between self-care and selfishness. While I was talking with a client just last week, actually, one of the things that came up in our conversation is they were working on their own self-care and they got to a point where they were pretty low. And so they planned out an entire evening of what they were going to do in order to take care of themselves, and they chose really good things. Taking a shower, making sure to have some dinner, doing a puzzle, watching a favorite TV show, all really, really good things to do. And yet he still turned to the maladaptive coping behavior that he's meeting with me about. And they were like, what's the deal? I was doing everything I was supposed to do. Why did I still turn to this behavior? And I described it as you got yourself so low that you needed a fire hose in order to fill up your bucket and feel better when the self-care activities was you're just using a low-pressure garden hose and just slowly filling it up. Your body got to the point where it's like, no, 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 this isn't doing it. It's not making me feel better. I can't do this anymore. We have to go back to what we've done in the past. This client of mine also recognized that the reason why this happened was because they let themselves go a little too long. There was too much time of working, of expending energy, giving to others. And when it came time to finally, finally initiate the self-care, it was too far gone. Doesn't mean that 
they couldn't have continued, but their body had become so used to this very specific form of taking care of themselves when they get that low. So naturally, the body is going to push to go back to that same coping mechanism. This conversation is so important. A great example just from my own life is my wife and I have been going through a mental health crisis. We're still in the middle of it. Things are getting better, yet there was a time when we couldn't go a day without there being an anxiety attack. And it was taking a lot of time to process through feelings and thoughts and what-if situations. And we were not in the same place we are now with therapy and with some medications to help mitigate and alleviate some of these symptoms. And this went on for about two months before we got some of these things in place. Interestingly enough, as soon as you are needing some of these services, these days it's been really hard to find them. And I think that there's a reason why I hear so many ads in my podcast about better help is because people are really struggling to find the help that they need. And so I just want to take a little bit of time here and just say it is worth the time and the investment to take care of your mental health, whether that is working with a coach, if it's meeting with a counselor or a therapist or a psychologist, even a psychiatrist, do whatever it is that you need to do in order to take care of your mental health. It is so important, it is crucial, and you are worth it. Now, back to my story. For at least two months while we are trying to get all of this put into place, we're working through traumas, we're working through incredibly deep-seated fears, and I was my wife's main go-to naturally. That's kind of my job is I am the first line of defense against a lot of this. And it was also very exhausting. Oh, it was so exhausting. There were times where we wouldn't get to bed until 10 o'clock. That's our usual bedtime. And then we would lie in bed and we would talk for at least an hour, sometimes more, just processing through what was going on in her mind. It was a really bad place. It was a really dark place. All of this led up to one Friday back in May. Yes, back in May. Where... My wife was going to go spend the weekend with her parents to give myself a break 
And also I had plans to go visit my brother-in-law and his family because for Christmas, we gave my nephew a Dungeons and Dragons starter box. And as a part of the gift, I promised to come up for a weekend and run them through the starter campaign. He was really excited about doing this. It was incredible. We managed to get everything together when we did. Because schedules are one of the most difficult things about planning anything like this. And right before summer, mind you. So here we are this Friday. And my wife leaves with her mom at 10 o'clock in the morning, I think. And I didn't have a whole lot going on. I had a client call, and that wasn't until the afternoon. I still had some things I needed to do to prepare for this trip to go see my family. And as I was coming back, a couple of things happened. One, I'd gone too far between meals. By this point, it was... About noon? Yeah, I think it was about noon. And I was coming back after buying some supplies for my trip. And I was hungry. And as I was driving to get myself some food, I found myself thinking, you know what? You're going back to an empty home. You don't have any kind of monitoring software on your computer or on any of your devices. I could easily go back home, view pornography and masturbate, and make myself feel better with everything that was going on. That was completely open and no one would know that it ever happened. This scared me. Since I started my own recovery journey, I hadn't been that close to returning to this behavior in about five years. When I returned home, I didn't even have my lunch. I just left it on the dining room table and I was listening to some podcasts as I was out driving around doing some shopping. And I just called. I called one of my friends. He's another coach. And through this entire process, he was one of the people that checked in with me quite often just to kind of see how I was doing. And I figured out of everyone, he was the most likely to be free and would have the time to talk with me. That assumption was correct. He picked up the phone and said, Hey, Marcus, how's it going? My immediate response was, I am not okay right now. I am not in a good place. I am the closest to a relapse I have ever been. And this friend of mine, so compassionate, so loving, accepted what I had shared and just said, wow, that sounds really hard. What are you going to do to protect yourself? 
one of the things that was taking place during this is I couldn't really talk about how my wife's mental health was impacting me. We both work from home, which is one of the things where if I typically was not meeting with a client and she didn't have some kind of therapy appointment or something like that, we would often spend sometimes up to two or three hours just talking about what was going on within her. And she knew it was something that was taking a toll on me. She knew. And I couldn't talk about what was going on unless it was like really early in the morning. Because if I did and I admitted the impact that this was having on me, it was just going to add more shame to what my wife was already experiencing. And I didn't want her to experience that because she was already feeling shame about it. (sighs) Within the safety of my own home, while I was alone, I called my friend and I just unloaded everything that was going on and how it was impacting. And he gave me the safe place to be able to do that. And it was so, so necessary. I needed that in that moment. And he and I talked for probably a half an hour. And only half of that, we were talking about what was going on within me. The other half, I kept him on the phone while I was packing because I still hadn't packed for my trip. And we just talked about what it's like being uncles. I felt so heard, so valued, and accepted, and supported, that as soon as I hung up my phone, I was in a much better place. I felt like a huge weight had been lifted from my shoulders. And (laughs) I looked at my phone And there was a text message that I received from one of my clients who asked me, are you free to chat? If I hadn't spoken with my friend, I would not have had the energy to have a quick 15-minute phone call with this client in his time of need. This is an example where when we proactively invest in ourselves, through self-care activities, we will fill up this bucket inside of us so that we don't run on empty. And what happens if we run on empty? We are going to invest in ourselves. But the investment is not going to put into consideration anyone else. That's why this topic is so important. It's why I talk with almost every client about this. Because, as I shared at the top, if you're like me, trying to do something for yourself was equated as being selfish. And that's not always the case. 
I think a good thing to do to wrap up this conversation here is I want to share with you what self-care can look like. I have 24 examples of self-care activities, and I try to get a really good cross-section of all of these different forms. There's a lot more than just this, but here are some examples of what you can do in order to take care of yourself. You can go for a walk. You can text or call a friend. You can write a letter. Write a letter to yourself. Write a letter to your God or your higher power. Write a letter to someone who has been impactful to you in a positive way and mail the letter to them. Go outside and watch the clouds. Go dancing. Go to a sporting event or a concert. Listen to a podcast. Pray or meditate. Make a list of 10 things you are grateful for. Listen to music and even sing along. Write a story about yourself or someone else. Enjoy some ice cream outside. Walk in nature. Play with a pet. Do a puzzle. Read a good book. Get a manicure or pedicure. Go out to coffee or tea with a friend. Volunteer at your favorite local nonprofit. Go stargazing. Take pictures. Pick up a new hobby. Join a gym. Treat yourself to a nice meal. There are so many wonderful examples of life-giving activities that you can do to invest in yourself so that others get the best of you, not just what's left over. Do what you need to in order to invest in yourself so that at the end of the day, you're not so empty that the only thing that seems appealing is dissociating, disconnecting, and just doing something mindless just because you don't have the energy to do anything else. Thank you so much for joining me for this conversation. And it is my sincerest hope that something that I shared today has landed with you and given you some ideas of how you can invest in yourself so that your bucket doesn't get empty and that especially the people that are closest to you and need you the most don't only receive what is left over. They deserve so much better than that. You deserve so much better than that. To become the heroes of our own stories, it will be important for us to give our best in every situation. And that means that you need to have something that you can give in those moments. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. If you like what you're hearing and you're interested in working with me, there is a link to my website in the show notes and also a link just to schedule a free 50-minute one-on-one call with me. Let's get the conversation started. Also, please rate and review this podcast so more people are able to find it. Thank you so much, and I'm looking forward to talking with you again soon.